going to need to do is a little bit of a review. We started this section maybe three weeks ago. I know for the people that watch online, the sound wasn't working, so they didn't get any of it. But then it's been a couple of days, a couple of weeks since we've been there. So James 5, James 5, starting with verse 1. We're in a study through the book of James, Wednesday night Bible study. We've been walking through this book for quite a while. But now we look at that, James 5, verse 1. Now listen, you rich people. Weep and wail because of the misery that is coming upon you. Your wealth has rotted and moths have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded. Their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. You've hoarded wealth in the last days. Verse 4, we're going to focus on this, a good part of our study tonight. Look, the wages you failed to pay the workmen who mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. You lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You fatted yourself in the day of slaughter. You condemned and murdered innocent men who were not opposing you. This section, James is going to deal with the misuse of wealth, and God's addressing it. Most likely, these are people outside the church that he's really addressing. Some of them might have visited the church. Um, but we're going to look at it. We're just going to try to get a basic understanding of God's view towards wealth and materialism. So to start this out, number one, let's recognize James didn't say it was a sin to be rich. Abraham's father of the faith, he, he was loaded. Amen. David had some money. Um, and, and go through the Bible. Joseph did all right for himself. I mean, again, so, but James is concerned about the selfishness of the rich. And he advises them to weep and wail. He tells them judgment's coming. God, God scrutinizes how we live this life. See, how they got and how they used their wealth was coming under divine scrutiny, divine judgment. Now, I want to just start and give us a basic background, quick. 1 Timothy 6. Let's go to 1 Timothy 6. Before we dive into these verses in James, let's just look at this real quick. Let's give kind of a, let's build a little foundation, a proper biblical understanding about wealth. So we're in 1 Timothy 6. The first few verses we'll read, James is just, um, Paul is giving a warning, a watch out. He's saying, watch out for the negative place money and materialism can take you if you don't guard your heart and your attitude is impure towards it and your actions honorable with it. So again, 1 Timothy 6, and then look at, start with verse number 6. He says, but listen, godliness and contentment is great gain. Some thought, you know, if you have all the money, everything, you're more holy, you're more this. He said, hang on, hang on. Number one, remember this. There are some things money cannot buy. Godliness with contentment, that's great gain. Again, nothing wrong with money. If you don't like money, pass it on down. Amen. We'll, we'll put it to use and, and we'll enjoy it. But, but understand, I know a whole lot of millionaires that kill themselves. I see a whole lot of stars in Hollywood and musicians that have been on their seventh wife. I mean, they can't find contentment. They can't find happiness. So again, just, just a warning. Don't give it more value than it is. It has its place. But don't remember the most important things can only come from God here. But godliness with contentment is great gain. We brought nothing into the world. And we can take nothing out of the world. That's another way. We, um, we can't do that. Um, what, what's he thinking here? 
It's not lasting. Wealth has a part to play in this age, but it's not lasting. Be rich in the things that last. Be, be really wealthy where it matters. The eternal things, amen? Just notice what he says. Hey, hey, we brought nothing into the world. We can take nothing out of it. So, so don't get so caught up in all these temporal things. Don't make temporal things your idol and your God. They're, 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 they're not going with us, amen? They're, they're falling apart. But if we have food and clothing, we can be content with that. People who want to get rich... Now, he's getting to having the wrong desire or attitude towards materialism and wealth. Verse 9, people who want to get rich fall into temptation, trap into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction for the love of money. Not money, but the love of money. Having that desire, I need more, I want a bit more. It's all about money makes me know. Didn't, last time we studied this, we looked how God said to one king, does it make you a better king to have a, a bigger, more cedar in a bigger, pretty much a bigger castle, bigger palace? And you know me, uh, uh, top, does it make you a better man to have bigger toys? Of course not. Not if you don't treat your wife right. Not if you don't have the character of God, it doesn't. And so again, some people here thought the material, make no, don't make you anything in the eyes of God. God's looking for character and Christ-likeness. So make sure we keep money in its proper perspective and its proper place. See it as a gift from God. See it as something that we use in this present age. But don't put it a priority it doesn't have. Don't give it a value it doesn't have. Remember the real things can't come from that. Remember all that is transitory. It's, gonna, it's temporal. The eternal things are forever. Don't re forget that if you have a wrong attitude towards it, it, it can lead you astray. It can plunge us into ruins. What it says here, again again, for the love of money is the root some people eager for money have wandered actually from the faith. Imagine that, wandered from the faith, right? That, that, that 25 cents an hour promotion wasn't worth missing the house of God every Sunday, I'll tell you that much. You write that down. Wasn't losing your kids' salvation either. Come on, say amen to that. That's all right, you can, you can say amen. We're loud here, amen. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith. Not because they had money, but they were eager for money. You're going to see later he addresses those that have money. Nothing wrong with having money. Every good and perfect gift comes from God. Keep it in its proper place. Use it for its intended purpose. Come on, say amen. But that some have wandered from the faith and have pierced themselves with many griefs. Pierced themselves for many griefs. For in the pursuit of their God, they lost the true and living God. In the pursuit of their idol and their goal, what they thought was real important, they, they missed out on the things that really matter and the things that are lasting, okay? So he gives them a couple warnings. So as Christians, let's not be crazy about materialism and wealth and all that. Let's not give it its wrong perspective. Let's put it in its proper perspective. But then if you go down a little further in verse 17, he speaks now, Paul speaks now to those that are wealthy. Nothing wrong with being wealthy. Some people went to college, worked hard, got a good job, amen? Some people, God has blessed them. They, they can run a business. They can make money. Nothing wrong. I like that. We have a few more of them. I wouldn't throw them out, amen? I mean, just pay your tithe and give your offering, give to missions, amen? Brother Sam, give to missions, and away we go. We'll pray the blessing. But notice this, verse 17. Command those who are rich in this present world. See, you can be rich in this present world and still be a Christian, Amen? You can be rich in this present world and not be rich in the next world, though, also. Let's try to be rich in both. 
command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant or put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but put their hope in God. So notice what he doesn't say is you're a sinner because you're wealthy or you're less of a Christian because you're wealthy. He didn't say that, did he? He said, number one, he says, if, if, if you're rich and God's blessed you, and maybe you've got a good job, maybe God's blessed you different things, number one, stay humble. 17a, stay humble. Right? He says, command those who are in this, rich in this world not to be arrogant. Stay humble about it. It's by the grace of God we are what we are. Amen? He gives us the power to make wealth. So, again, number one, stay humble. Number two, but trust, put your trust in God, not in the money. That's 17b. Again, um, don't be arrogant. Don't put your hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. Put your hope in God. That's where your trust is. So even if, if God's blessed you and you're well off, that's good. Give God glory for it. Stay humble, but keep your trust in God. Oh, God will never change. Amen. God will never have a depression or a recession. But money can. Don't put your hope in that. Understand it's a blessing from God. Use it for the glory of God. Use it to do the works of God. But more, you keep your trust in God, not in the money. Now he goes on here. Put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Amen? You know, some old-time um, Pentecostals probably thought that was, wasn't in the Bible. But as it said, enjoyment. Some of them didn't believe in enjoyment. They, they, they were frowned out. They didn't believe in nothing. Amen? I said that. I, my mother said they couldn't have an ice cream cone on a Sunday. Oh, they were law bound. You know, they meant well, but they missed it, didn't they? I think we stick with the Bible. How about you? I think we stick with the Bible. Amen? That's all right. Stick with that Bible. And number one, the Bible says enjoy what God gives you, and give him glory for it. Enjoy the good gifts of God. Amen? Enjoy it. God's a good God. Give him praise for it. And learn to rejoice in those things. But not only enjoy it, but learn to employ the blessings of God. He's going to go on now. He says, now, and command them to do good and to be rich in good deeds. If you're rich in the natural, you need to be rich in good deeds. If you've been blessed in the natural, God expects you to be a blessing in good deeds. Can you see that there, verse 18? Command them. God's not fooling around here. Paul says, you command the rich. Nothing wrong with being rich. As long as you got it God's way, you're using it for noble, nothing wrong there. But command them to do good and to be rich in good deeds, to be generous and willing to share. And in this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so they may take hold of life that is truly life. Can you say amen to that? So I just want to give us this, this foundation when it comes to finances because too often there's extremes in the church. Amen? I mean, some you know, don't think you, know, you should be too blessed and others think everything's about the materialism as if that's a sign of spirituality which it couldn't be farther from the truth. But there's a balance. And again, if we are Bible people, we look to the Bible. In context, we look to the Bible. And so on one hand, Paul says, now listen, just make sure money and materialism doesn't get out of whack. Don't let it be the thing that drives you. Don't let it be your chief motivation. Amen? 
Um, stay humble about these things. Put it in its proper perspective. And when God does bless you, and he'll bless you if you walk with him. He's a good God. He'll bless you and take care of you. The Lord is our shepherd. We shall not want. And as he blesses you, make sure you're a blessing to someone else. Amen? And when he does bless you, make sure you, you don't get cocky about it as if you did it. God can, Hey, listen. You don't want to give to God one operation can wipe out your life savings real quick. I mean, uh, if you're smart, we're going to honor God with our wealth. Amen? We're going to honor God with our wealth because we recognize we get it from him. We stay humble. We give him praise for it. We enjoy it. Nothing wrong with that. If God's blessed you, bless your kids. If God's blessed you, go ahead. You know, live in a nice place. Nothing wrong with that. But don't stop there. If you've been blessed, God expects you to be a blessing. If you've been rich in this world, he expects you to be rich in good deeds towards the next. And that's what the Bible teaches us. Amen? All right, let's go back to our text, James 5. But I wanted to touch on those things. Give us this foundation. But so often in the church, you know, the, the pendulum seems to swing. You know what I mean? We, like, we often get to extremes. But if you notice one thing about the Bible, so the Bible balances the Bible. And if we're people that study the whole counsel of God, typically you find the balance in these things. And so we don't get caught off in the ditch. You know, we don't get on these extremes. So let's go James 5 and verse 1. What we're going to look at, our outline is simply this. Number one, James is going to deal with the way they got their wealth, the way the rich use their wealth, and what riches will do, and what riches will do. Now let's go to the next um, block up top, the way they got their wealth, because that's where we're going to camp out tonight. Number one, they were holding back wages, and they were controlling the courts. And that's what we're going to study. Again, he's concerned about how they got and how they used their wealth. It was coming under divine scrutiny. But number one, the way they got their wealth. Again, the Bible does not discourage the acquiring of wealth. What the Bible does condemn is acquiring wealth by illegal or unrighteous means for illegal or unrighteous purposes. I mean, God's pretty strong. And we said this last time, and I'm reviewing a lot, but he, God's pretty strong about social injustice. Don't just throw that off on the Democrats. God is very strong. We you study your Bible and you get to those Old Testament prophets, Amos, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Micah, they dealt harsh with the rich oppressing the poor and the orphan and the widow and the corruption in the courts. God dealt with that. That brought a lot of judgment on God's people because they, the rich were oppressing the poor. And again, the spirit that James was writing is in the same spirit as Old Testament prophets. He's, he's declaring God's dealing with God's scrutinized it. God has seen this. And God's not pleased with it. And again, he gives two illustrations of how the rich unjustly got their wealth. They held back wages from people. They controlled the courts. Hold back wages. We see that in verse 4. What he said, look, the wages you failed to pay, the workmen who mowed your fields. They hired the workers and didn't pay them. Kept the money for themselves. The application, pay your bills and be honest in your financial areas. And God's people said, Christians ought to pay their bills and be honest in financial areas. Isn't that right? Thou shalt not steal. Still in the book. If you owe it, pay it. All right. Now, the explanation is simply this. Back in those days, and you see some of the parables Jesus used. In those days, the common laborer got paid each day. They would work their fields and they paid them each day. 
that's how they lived, and they'd be able to buy their food for their family. And their, each day, it was a daily thing. Daily bread was a daily thing. So if you hold back their money, they got nothing. And that's what was going on. That's why God's was stirred up. And again, in the law, God gave clear instructions concerning the laboring man in order to protect him. There are certain laws that God to govern his people to protect that common worker. God is the God of the common man. And he put rules in there to protect them, to protect from oppressive employers. And we looked at this last time. And again, even, down, even to the kings, God said, no one escapes my scrutiny. I'm expecting you to deal fair and justly and honestly with people. And that's kind of what we looked at. And again, the rich men hired laborers. They promised to pay them a specific amount. The work was completed, but they didn't get paid. They kept the money. And the tense of the verb here, they kept back or failed to pay. In the Greek, it indicates the workers are never going to get their pay. The, the, the owners don't ever intend to pay them. They're, they're just oppressing them and using them and cheating them. You know, last time we looked at this, we said, remember these thoughts when you're in control. Sometimes we're in the boss situation. Amen? And we looked at, and we won't do it today, we did it last time, Matthew 7 and 12. But basically do to others as you have do to you. Treat people the way you'd want to be treated, amen? And Jesus taught us that, didn't he? You'd want to be paid if, if someone said so, right? So how would you, how would, what if it was your kid on that job? Or what, what, maybe that was your parent. In that. How would you act if you were the boss, if you were in control? And then we said, always remember this, make sure that when you have the upper hand. And then we went to, I believe it was Colossians. Yeah, it was Colossians 4 and 1, and, and, and Paul said, remember, you, you've got a master in heaven. When you're the master and you can get away with it because they don't have any rights against you, when you've got the upper hand and you know you can be a little snarly. I've had times raising my kids where the Holy Spirit convicted me. He says, knock it off. I'm telling you. Because you know they can't say anything back. And you're getting too much. When you've got the upper hand, God says, I'm watching you. When it's in your power, and you can oppress, and no one can say, God says, I'm watching you. And treat them right, because you've got a master in heaven that's watching you. Amen? So, so on one hand, when we're in that position, well, we're the boss, or we're the owner, treat people like you like to be treated. Amen? Isn't that right? And watch out when you really have the upper hand. Walk in kindness. Walk in humility towards others. Again, treat others as you would be treated. And always remember, we have a master in heaven that watches us and is guiding, judging us and he's measuring us. And he says, you know what? You think you can get away with treating someone else unkindly? I'll deal with you. No, God says, I'll deal with you. You think you can get away with it because they seem powerless? God says, oh, I can, I've got ways. Uh, there's a sowing and there's a, is that an eternal law or is that an eternal law? And you better pray you get it here. This is better getting it here than getting it there. But everyone will get it because he is a righteous judge. Amen? But now, if we're on the other side of this thing, that can be hard. Again, looking at verse 4, it's as though 
The very coins are crying out. I love it. The wages you failed to pay the workmen who mowed your fields are crying out against you. Check out that language. It's as if the very currency is condemning them. The very currency is crying out to the Almighty. Wow. As though the very coins cried out their guilt. The harvesters complained about their treatment and their cries reached the ears of the Almighty. I'll tell you what, God hears your cry. God sees your situation. God cares about your predicament and God will contend for your health and your blessing and your protection. I'll write that down. We're going to look at that tonight a little bit. Again, um, their cries reached the ears of the Almighty. God heard their cries as he always hears the voice of suffering people. He's not a God distant and uncaring. He is a God that hears. He's looking for a few more Moseses that will go down. Remember that? Moses says, God said, Moses, I heard their cries. I'm coming down. I'm sending you. God comes down through men and women that he speaks to and sends to lift up the oppressed and set prisoners free and speak a word of hope to the hopeless. And we're going to look at that a little bit tonight. God heard their cries as he always hears the voice of his suffering people. You might be in a tough situation. God hears your cry. You might be in a place where I don't know how I can get justice. God said, I'll, you get justice. I'll get you justice. I'll take care of you. If you give it to me and do it my way. The God who hears the cries of his suffering people is the Lord Almighty. And he will vindicate them in due time. Don't you ever, ever doubt that. God hears, God sees, God cares, and God contends. Lord willing, on Sunday when we start the first character of our Hebrews 11 study. We finally got to the characters after three weeks of um, introductory messages and we're dealing with Abel. And God says, I hear his blood crying out. God hears the blood of every aborted baby, of every innocent victim. God hears. God, oh, God hears. Oh yeah, he does. Look if you would. Let's go to Exodus 2 and 24. Exodus 2 and 24. Again, the Almighty hears the cries. So if you feel like people are oppressing me or people are against me, God hears your cries. You keep crying out to the Lord. You keep calling on the Lord. You keep letting God fight your battles. Don't get ugly. Don't get carnal. Amen? It's, it's all right to speak up properly, but stay civil when you speak up. It's walk in love when you speak up. But don't you ever feel like no one's there to fight your cause, but Jesus is there to fight your cause. Amen? The Lord is our shepherd. We shall not want. Isn't that right? And God heard their groaning. And he remembered his covenant. God hears our cries. And he remembers, I see the blood over that one. I see the seal of my spirit over that one. That's one of mine. That's one of mine. Amen. I don't know who's messing with them. That's one of mine. God heard their groaning. Remembered the covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Go to the next verse. We have Exodus, is Exodus 3. The next one, verse there in Exodus 3. And the Lord says, Moses, I have indeed seen the misery. God sees. God sees your hurt. Listen, God knows your secret scar. He knows your secret pain. I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. And I am concerned about God is concerned. Others might not think it's a big deal. God is concerned. God cares. You can come to Jesus and pour out your heart. You can come to Jesus and cast your burden. You can come to Jesus. He's still a wounded heart healer, if I read that Bible correctly. You can bring him the hurts of your heart and say, Lord, I'm hurting. And he's able to heal your heart, but then he'll go and contend. 
He'll contend for your soul. He's a good God. He's a faithful God. Hallelujah. Go ahead, Exodus 22. Exodus 22, verses 22 and 23. Uh, again, this is God. James in the New Testament, the Almighty has heard their cries. He's dealing with the rich that were oppressing the poor. He's dealing with people that were treating others cruelly and unkindly, taking advantage of people because they're weaker than them. And God says, you think you're going to get away with it? No, no, God is a righteous judge. He's a judge, amen? And he'll deal. And again, do not take advantage of a widow or an orphan. I always say that. You want to fight God? When I was younger, I didn't mind tasseling. I get a little older, you let the younger ones do that. But anyway, but, but I don't want to fight God, amen? You want to fight God? You just mess with orphans and widows. Because if they cry out and I hear them, I'm going to take up their cause. They might not have a husband to take up their cause, but the Almighty will be their husband. They might not have a father to take up their cause, but I am a father. Woo, to that orphan, and I am a husband, to that widow. Here it is. Do not take advantage of a widow or an orphan. If you do, and they cry out to me. Woo. The key is we got to cry out to God, amen? Not, not get ugly and not get, but cry out to God and say, Lord, you're my husband. You're my father. You're my shepherd. The heart of the king still in God's hands. You're my defender. The battle's yours. God says, if... You do, and they cry out. So if you feel like you're being used or abused or oppressed, let's cry out to God. Let's bring it to the Lord. Let's take our needs and burdens to the Lord. Amen. Let's pour out our hearts. We don't got to get ugly. We don't got to get vindictive. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. But man, when God begins to extract some justice, look out. We said it before, i never forget, one of the first Assembly of God churches in Los Angeles started by a woman. And back in the 19, 1920s or whatnot, Wigglesworth was with her, and they had to rope off city blocks. But to establish that church, oh, hell fought her in every direction. She was being brought in between the courts, it seemed like every other month. I mean, she didn't have a husband there to plead her cause. They didn't like Pentecostals. They certainly didn't like women Pentecostals back in the 1910s and 20s uh, out there. And this one judge, she was dragged up like on every other week, it seemed like, on a charge, and he was just cruel to her, just mean to her. And finally, one of the last times, she said, Mr. Judge, sir, Your Honor, you've brought me in here unjustly again and again. You've mocked me, made fun of me, gone out of your way to be cruel to me. But I want you to know, you're going to stand before a higher judge one day and you'll be held accountable for everything you've done. She left. By the time the next court case came, he's gone, he's dead, he's dead. That's it, God said enough. I prayed to see people die. I prayed situations, God knows. Sometimes best thing, God take them home, get them out of the way. Amen? I know that's, but God is, God's sovereign. Ananias and Sapphira, anybody remember that story? In the book of Acts, isn't it? Yeah. No, God's a sovereign God. So when you're feeling oppressed and you're feeling like people are cheating me, listen, don't lose hope. Don't lose faith. Don't give in to despair. Call on the name of the Lord. Keep walking in faith. Keep walking in love. But call on the Lord. Say, God, I need you. And he'll fight for you and he'll defend you. Psalm 3, Psalm 3 and verse 4. Psalm 3 and verse 4 again. God hears, God sees. God cares and God will contend. God says, I'll fight for you. I'll defend you. 
I'll go with you. I'll go places no one else will go. I'll stand with you when no one else can stand. To the Lord I cry aloud, and he answers me on his holy hill. Remember that psalm, Psalm 3? David said, many of them are raised up against me. Many are there saying of my soul, there's no help for him in God. How many times you feel overwhelmed and you feel outnumbered and people are mocking and people are threatening and they're making accusations as if there's nothing you can do. But David says, but I cry aloud to the Lord and he hears me. And that's where thou, O Lord, art a shield for me. My glory and the lifter of my head. Amen. And that's what God says. Oh, they can say this, and you can feel overwhelmed and um, outgunned, but if you cry out to the Lord, God says, I will hear your cry. I'll answer your cry. I'll care. He's still a burden bearer, folks. He's a burden bearer. Give him that burden and trust to him that care. Go ahead. Go to that next psalm we have up there. What's that next psalm? Psalm 34. And again, so remember, God, God cares. God will contend. I love David. This poor man called. And it wasn't poor financially in this lingo. It's poor. I don't have resources. There's nothing I can do about it. You can't fight city hall type of thing. Amen. This poor man called and the Lord heard him. Saved him out of all his troubles. Oh, I love it. The angel of the Lord encamps around those that fear the Lord. He delivers them. Oh, taste and see. The Lord is good. Blessed is the one that trusted him. But verse 6, verse 6, this poor man called, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. That's the key again. You feel like you're being mistreated? Call on the Lord. You feel like things are against you? Cry out to God. God will hear, and God will answer. Amen? Psalm 34. What's the other verse I have there? It should be at verse 16 or something to that effect. Verse 15, verse 15. That's what I want. Verse 15 now. And again, I love this verse. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to our cry. God says, I hear, I care, I contend. I hear, I see your need, I hear your cry. I care about your situation, and I will contend with them that contend with thee. I love that, I love that, I love that. Go ahead, Isaiah 49 and 25. Isaiah 49 and 25 as we keep focusing on this thought, as we see James dealing with injustice, and the fact of the matter is sometimes we have the upper hand in things. And God says, when you're in a position of authority, rule justly and compassionately and lovingly. Amen? Don't abuse authority. Whether it's a parent and a child, a boss, don't abuse authority. But when you're in a place of governing, govern justly, and compassionately and right. Do unto others. Treat others like that's your kid. Isn't that right? Isn't it amazing how much more compassionate we are when they're our kid or our grandkid? There was someone else's, we'd have them at the gallows, but when it's ours, oh, Lord, they're really not that bad. Let's have more compassion. Isn't that true? Say amen. Don't, don't lie to me. I know I'm dealing with this. Isn't that true? I mean, I've seen parents. Their kid just about an axe murderer, and oh, he's the sweetest little thing, sweetest little thing. I wouldn't want to be alone with that joker. Hey, man. Someone else does one other thing and they're ready to, you know, I don't know, do it unto others. Isn't that right? Yeah. I was young and get behind someone who wasn't so young and they're going about three miles an hour in the wrong lane and all of a sudden it dawned on me. 
That could be grandpa. All right, all right, I'll back off, I'll back off, amen. Pardon me, Wanda, <laughs> you know, take an Uber. Well, they didn't have them back then, amen. But God says when you're in a place of authority, when you're in a place to govern, govern righteously and compassionately, honestly and lovingly, because you've got a master over you. Treat people the way you want to be treated. But then when you're other part, you're on the other end of the stick, and maybe you feel like others are being not nice to you, you're getting the short end of things. God says don't give in to despair, discouragement. Don't act ugly and carnal. That's the world. You have a God you can call on. You have a heavenly father. You have a husband. Amen. For the widow. There, there's a father for the orphan. There's one you can call on. And if you call him, he says, I'll hear your prayer. And don't ever forget, whatever you're facing, whatever you're going through, God sees your situation. God hears your cry. He hears your groanings. God is concerned, and God will contend. God says this. Oh, I love this. This is what the Lord says. This is a beautiful thought. God's going to say, I'll contend with those that contend with you. It's a beautiful thing here. This is what the Lord says. Yes, captives will be taken by warriors, the plunder received from the fierce, retreat from fierce. And here it is. And I will contend with those who contend with you and your children I will save. Man, God takes up the case of his people. God defends the cause of his people. He'll defend your cause. He'll defend your cause. Just hold your peace and let the Lord fight your battle. Amen. Just give it to God and let God walk in love. But let God add it. God knows. God knows. God knows. I will, I, I will contend with those that contend with you. Isn't that a beautiful verse? Go now to, I'll give you a New Testament one. Go now to 2 Thessalonians. 2 Thessalonians. First chapter. 6 and 7. 2 Thessalonians. First chapter, 6 and 7. God is just. God is just. And he will pay back trouble to those who trouble you. That's in the book. But who does the paying back? God does. We don't. God does. Amen? God is just. He will pay back trouble to those who trouble you and give relief to you who are troubled and to us as well. This will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with his powerful angels. Let God defend you. Let God plead your cause. Amen? Don't get ugly. Don't get carnal. Don't fight back. Don't be someone driven by revenge. But make room for God's grace and wrath and God to move in your life. And again, let's keep looking at this. James is saying, number one, they held back wages. These men thought they had the upper hand. They thought the ones below them had nothing they could do. But God says, I see what's going on, and I'm going to take care of my people. And we have to remember that in life, that God sees what we go through each and every day. God sees areas of life that maybe people mistreat us. Well, we can still walk in love, but we give it to God. Amen? And God can change their heart, or God can deal with them. God is God. He, God is, he, his pay grade is above ours, folks. I've seen some God has converted. I never thought. I've seen others. God just, he dealt, God knew. God knew. So let's move on here. Number one, they held back wages. 
the way they got their wealth. But secondly, they controlled the courts. They controlled the courts, and we'll just finish this up. When God established Israel and their land as a nation, he gave the people a system of courts. He had organized things, right? In Deuteronomy 17. He warned the judges, don't be greedy. Exodus 18. They were not to be partial to the rich or to the poor. Leviticus 19. No judge was to tolerate perjury of any form. Deuteronomy 19. And of course, bribery was strongly condemned. Isaiah and Micah, etc. The courts in James' day, of course, like we see in the Bible times, right? When Jesus was talking and giving some of his parables, the widow and the unjust, right? The widow and the unjust judge. The, the, if you had enough money, it was easy to bribe your way to a verdict. So if you didn't have money or resources, you, you know, you really got oppressed. You really got abused. The poor were unable to really defend themselves in court. They were in a rough place. They were beat down and all they could do is call on God. All they could do is call on God. Now, I love that story of Jesus. He taught you and I the importance of praying with perseverance and praying consistently and continually. And he talked about that widow and the unjust judge. Give me justice from my adversary. Remember that? And though he didn't fear God and he didn't like this lady, but because she kept coming and she kept pressing and she kept crying out, he says, finally, before this woman wears me out, I'm going to make sure she gets justice. And Jesus used that as an illustration to teach you and I, keep on praying. Keep on trusting God. Keep doing things God's way. Amen? Keep casting your burden upon the Lord. So again, number one, the way they got their wealth. Next time, the way the rich used their wealth. And you'll see three things here, how they used their wealth. We'll go ahead. Here we go. Number one, they stored it up. They had wrong priorities. They stored, They hoarded it. You know, the world's going to hell. Give more to missions. I mean, don't hoard it. Amen? Pe- people are hurting. Help them out. Amen? But you know what? They, they, they stored it up. They had the wrong priority. Number two, they kept others from benefiting it. They missed their opportunity. Remember that one parable? And that, that poor man was laying outside the rich man, and he's ignored him. The dogs licked the wounds. The dogs had more compassion. Then the rich man died. And in hell, he decided to get spiritual. And God said, I laid out in your front steps an opportunity to express your true Christianity. And you saw a nuisance. What I had put before you is an opportunity of ministry. They kept others from benefiting. They missed their opportunity. And thirdly, they lived in luxury because they had the wrong identity. They, they thought everything was about how do I look and what am I driving and God says, no, your identity is about what kind of man are you? What kind of woman are you? What kind of character do you walk in? Is your word trustworthy? Is your, is your heart pure? Oh, yeah. Amen? And so we're going to look at this next time, the way the rich used their wealth. And we're going to say now, you know, compared to most of the world, we're pretty wealthy here in America. Amen? We got more money to waste than most people got. So, so when we study this, don't check out. I'm not rich. No, no, we're all pretty rich. We, we all feel pretty good, folks. Amen? Again, visit some other places. <laughs> we're doing pretty good. And we're going to look at that, and God's going to ask you and I, how am I using the blessings that God has given me? Amen? Are my priorities right? 
Am I making the most of the opportunities life gives me to use what God has given me to be a blessing? And of course, what is my identity? What is it that really stirs my esteem? Am I moved by this fallen world? Well, I mean, I need to have a bigger truck or a sportier car. If I don't have just the right suit, and we're just so much image, image, image. And the world has an image, but God says, I'm looking for people to be transformed into the image of my son. I, I want our identity should be our godliness and contentment. That's great gain. Our identity is how we walk justly and we live for eternity and we honor God continually. Are you with me? Amen. All right. I'm going to send you out early. How do you like that, huh? These nights are nice. I don't get home. And you get home before Jeopardy's over. Amen. All right. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we thank you for your word. We thank you, Father, that we can reach back thousands of years ago and study the lessons and the dealings of these churches from the Bible era, but we can apply it to the now. We can take these lessons. We can see your attitude towards things. We can study your commandments towards things to show us how you want us to live now. Father, help us to recognize every good and perfect gift we have has come from you. And that as we are blessed, it's because you've blessed us. And Father, help us not to get too caught up in the natural things, but help us to live for eternity. Help us to keep our priorities right. Help us to make the most of the opportunity we have with the life we have to live here. And help us to use, Lord, the rich blessings that you've given us to be a blessing to others, to carry your cause forward. Lord, we don't want to waste the blessing. We want to invest the blessing for that which is eternal and that which will never perish. Help us, Lord, to apply these truths to our lives. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said,